It's an industry that I generally love. I have a passion for. I, I, I eat, sleep, I live for fitness. No, you need to be obsessed. You need to wake up, think about it. You need to go to bed, think about your clients, think about your progress, think about what you can do better. Genuinely, like, just be like patient and take your time. Like that, that is like, you've got to take it all in, in the right steps. You've got to nail what you do in person before you go and like. I don't like to talk about fear. The fears is usually something that makes your worries real. Welcome to the Coaching Ignited podcast. I'm your host, Alex Povey. It's great to have you here. This show is all about peeling back the curtain on what's going to help you build the fitness business you truly want. And each week we bring on a new guest to share their stories, insights, and strategies so you too can take action and apply what you learn. The podcast is released every Wednesday on all the major platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. So make sure you go give that a subscribe, guys. Now, if you're a personal trainer in a commercial gym with 500 plus members and you want to fast track your income growth and learn how to sign multiple new clients a week, reach out to me personally through Facebook or Instagram and just drop me a private message so we can get the conversation started and see if you could be a good fit for one of our programs. All the links to my social can be found in the show notes so you can connect with me there. Now let's get into this week's episode. Enjoy the show. All right, so uh, we're live and we're back with another episode of the podcast. And today we're welcoming on Eric. And I've been really looking forward to putting this one together, Eric. It's been a while since we've been back and forth trying to schedule this thing. I know you've done a lot of travel recently and I was traveling when we first spoke as well. So I'm really grateful that we've managed to set this thing up. And I feel like it's going to be a new spin on kind of what we cover on this show we generally get a lot of personal trainers and coaches and I think your angle is going to be a new one and uh, as we were discussing just before the podcast started there's some cool topics which we're going to dive into and unpack but before we do that I would love to give the listeners a bit of context into you your background and uh, how you got started in the fitness space Hmm. so over to you yeah. Thank you, Ox. Man, it's it's a pleasure and I, I appreciate all your patience in, in adapting to my schedule uh, <laughs> and both of our travel schedules. So uh, it's an honor to be here. And as a fellow podcaster, I just want to uh, let the audience know that um, you, the, the podcast host, put a lot of work into these things. And uh, if you have time to go give uh, Alex a nice review um, on iTunes, go do it you know, put, hit pause, go do it right now because it, he puts a lot of work and it creates a lot of value for you. So, um, I appreciate what, what you're doing here. And, um, as far as my story, man, I'm i uh, I'm a Northern California native. I'm not going to go, you know, too much into the weeds on my whole life, but, um, uh, I, I was born and raised in a town called Saratoga, uh, Northern California. And, um, it was essentially the Silicon Valley before it was a Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm 42. So kind of you can do the the math on, on that. And it just exploded. I, I was an athlete really, um, my whole life. So at the age of five, I started swimming around the age of nine. Uh, I started playing water polo, um, which was really kind of my passion for about the next 20 years. So, um, throughout high school, um, being all American, going into college, being all East and afterwards playing club, club teams, that was really what I, what I love to do. And, uh, it became is one of those things. I think a lot of fitness people come from athletics because it's just second nature to us. We love it. We love the physical nature of training. And, uh, that was definitely, um, you know, a, a, a signature of my, my upbringing. So that was great. After, uh, after college, I went to Boston college, um, 
got into sales. It was a 2009 was a pretty or 1999 was actually a pretty poor time to get into the job market. Uh, that's when I started. It was uh, the dot com bust. Essentially, everything just <laughs> disintegrated. So um, I kind of took the first job I could get, um, which was a recruiting job. I started doing recruiting for corporations, and then I, I got elevated quickly into a sales sales management job. And then uh, for the next ten years, I, I kind of darted around in different forms of sales and marketing, from uh, recruitment, uh, radio ads, which um, I don't even know if are relevant that much anymore. Um, legal publishing, um, real estate finance, all kinds of things. So yeah, it was, it was good. I did well, you know, um, financially in, in all of those jobs and I tend to elevate pretty quick. Uh, but it, it was kind of, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I, I just wasn't in tune with it. In fact, I think that the, one of the deciding factors for me kind of exiting the corporate world was when I went to a sales conference and I just took a deep breath and a good look around and I saw what my future would look like if I had stayed there. And I didn't like it. Right. Um, you know, I didn't like, Hey, I don't like wearing a suit, you know, not my thing. Um, but I just didn't like the trajectory. It didn't look healthy. It didn't look fulfilling. It it lacked purpose in my mind. So when I got a text message, uh, around 2008 from an old college teammate, Trevor Bohm, uh, it was pretty simple. It was on a Friday. I remember um, I was actually heading into happy hour in San Francisco and uh, it was just a text that said, hey, do you want to open a gym? And uh, I kind of chuckled. I was like, that's odd. And then after a beer, I replied. And this is back in the day when it wasn't, you know, we didn't have the QWERTY keyboard or anything like that on our phone. So it was like, you know, 555-666-888, right? To, to form a message. And I said, yeah, I think I do. And that was basically the start of it. Uh, we decided to, uh, Trevor and I got together, I uh, met him down in LA and we started coming up with a plan, you know, what type of gym would we want to open and CrossFit was, uh, was our passion for both of us at that time and, uh, where we want to open it. And we had a, a list of short list of places that we want to live. And we ended up picking on, uh, picking Santa Barbara, California, which anybody who knows the area is, is breathtakingly gorgeous, a beautiful place. Um, not too small business friendly, uh, but regard all, you know, we disregarded everything that's everyone told us about, you know, Hey, this is the worst economic downturn in, in our history. Um, you have a great job. What are you doing? Uh, I just kind of said F it and packed all my belongings, uh, into a trailer, uh, actually broke up with my girlfriend at the time and, and drove down to a city that really I had never been, nor that I know anybody there and decided to open a gym. So, Long story short, we opened that, um, started uh, in a very small space. It was about 800 square feet of usable space. And over a period of eight or nine years, uh, just grew it steadily, you know, one location to the next and expanded there. Uh, membership steadily grew. And uh, I decided um, around, I'll get into why I did this, but around two, let's see, 20, we're in 2019 now, 20, 2017, that um, it just wasn't me anymore. I, I was, I'm very entrepreneurial by nature and, uh, I like new things. I like new challenges. I like pursuing new opportunities. And I felt even though I had a great staff and I didn't spend a lot of time on the gym, it was always forefront of my mind. And, uh, the other thing was my wife and I, uh, wanted to live in different places. We'd always dreamed about, you know, a travel lifestyle, um, seeing new places. We were drawn to mountain towns. So, uh, that was it, man. We, uh, 
put it for sale and, and successfully sold it. And then also some shares in another gym. And my wife and I hit the, hit the road. I didn't really know what I was going to do, uh, for a living. Uh, yet I knew I wanted to stay in the fitness industry. So, uh, the logical place to start was, uh, helping people with some digital marketing, um, started a podcast, which is the future of fitness. And then I started another one called the fitness Blitz radio and just started building intentionally my network, uh, looking for opportunities for me, uh, that were exciting and, uh, were, allowed me to work at a higher level within the industry. And, you know, that was two years ago that we picked up when we left Santa Barbara and we've lived in parts of Oregon, a lot of British Columbia, Vancouver Island, all over Montana, um, Lake Tahoe, California. Uh, and we, we just move around and, and we really enjoy life. And at the same time, I get to build, uh, the businesses that I work on now. So it's been a great ride. Um, my life is awesome and uh, I really enjoy what I do. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of space, 42 years that I just try to condense for you, but that's my background. Love it. I love it. I love how your life is now. It sounds so, um, free and open to just do all that travel and experience all those cool places. What's that been like being able to do all that travel and, and still maintain a business? It's, it's been awesome. I mean, we, uh, we, we don't have kids. We have a dog, um, who's our, you know, our kids. So that, that allows us a little bit more freedom, um, than most people, uh, in our age bracket, but it, it's great. I mean, there's, there's, it's not, you know, you look at like the digital nomad, typical Instagram thing, right? Someone with a laptop on a beach. Um, and that actually does occasionally happen, but there's a lot of things you don't see from the Instagram stuff. Like moving, um, anyone who's moved realizes that it's a huge pain in the ass, right? Stressful. Um, you almost always leave something <laughs> behind, uh, which we do every time. We've probably moved nine times, right? Over two years. So that's kind of stressful. Um, but we've learned to make it very efficient. And I've actually cleanse so many of my belongings. We only bring things with us now that are necessities, right? Which is incredibly awesome. I mean, it's simple. It's so simple. All my clothes fit in one big green duffel bag. And, uh, so that that's great. The moving we we've getting better at it, but every time we move, it's a little stressful. I have to admit, um, it's all positive and I don't want to get people like, you know, uh, give people the wrong impression, but there is, there is a part of me that, that misses the community. I mean, I went from, uh, knowing a lot of people in Santa Barbara, having a great gym community of, you know, well over 200 people, um, tons of friends and, you know, it's people I could call on a Friday or Sunday, Hey, let's go watch a football game or grab a beer or whatever it is. Right. Um, to really just kind of being with my wife and I, and luckily we get along really well. Um, and we do make friends along the way, but I think, you know, there, there's, there's a, upside and downside to, to the lifestyle. It's very sexy. It's very, you know, attractive to think that you can go and travel and, and live in new places and meet new people and experience new things. And it is, it really is. But you also have to be aware that, Hey, it's going to be a little lonely at times. Um, you better, uh, you better get along with your spouse or whoever you're traveling with. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's great. I, I recommend it, um, for the right people. Awesome, man. I just want to schedule back, uh, sorry, circle back even to um, that first gym launch, mm -hmm. launching your first gym, super spontaneous. Mm -hmm. You get a tech through and you decide to go for it, take the plunge. I think it would be really cool for us to kind of unpack some of the big lessons that you learn in, in that experience of setting up a gym for from scratch for the first time. 
And uh, yeah, what were some of the big lessons and how have they helped you moving forward in your in your life and business? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, if you are starting a business or you have goals, um, it took me, it took us, Trevor and I, twice as long to get to our membership and revenue goals than we thought it would. And I think, uh, you know, one lesson I've learned time and time again, and I don't know who said this quote, but I'm just going to paraphrase it is everyone overestimates what they can do in a year, but underestimates what they can do in 10. And, uh, you know, I, I learned those lessons early on. We were on a very limited budget uh, when we started and CrossFit was just getting started in 2008, 2009. It was, uh, you know, starting to get out there, but a large majority of people still didn't know it. So we didn't know that the huge wave was coming, right? The the huge popularity of CrossFit was going to come and thank God it did. Uh, it was awesome. And, you know, uh, I think we didn't, not knowing anybody, right? Um, and not really knowing the town. Uh, you'd be surprised at the things you'll do, how uncomfortable you'll get, uh, when you have to. And, you know, when you, you kind of essentially we, you know, burned our boats, right. Um, we, we were all in, uh, we couldn't get financing at the time. So everything was bootstrapped. So, you know, all the banks, no one was giving out loans in, you know, in that time frame. um, no banks, nobody. So we were bootstrapping a lot of it and, uh, you know, asking families for our families for, for loans where we could get it. And, uh, and really just making it work. And, you know, our, our goal, our launch strategy was, was pretty simple. Uh, we were going to go talk to physically talk to as many people as we could in Santa Barbara, let them know they were there. If we felt that they're an influencer, like, you know, um, you know, a chiropractor or someone who runs a sports, uh, you know, equipment store or anything like that, we offer them free 30 days, come in, you'll love it. And, uh, you know, just give us a shot. This is, you know, if you never heard of CrossFit, this is what CrossFit is. So it just came to a lot of, you know, I hate using this term, it's just a lot of hustle, right? Getting out there and talking to as many people. And I think, you know, one of the things that's changed so much in the fitness industry over the last 10 years is everybody sits behind their computer, right? No one is focusing on like the personal interaction. Are you getting out there? I mean, a lot of people are. I don't want to, there's probably people who are listening to this and like, dude, I do that. I'm out there hustling it every day. Right? I'm shaking hands, kissing babies. Uh, and that's great. You should be. But I think a lot of people tend to, to sit back and um, you know, sit behind their computer, hope that you know, their, their Instagram posts will draw people in, uh, that their Facebook ads will be effective, and uh, you know, their low barrier offer is going to get them all the way to where they want to go. But you know, if you just focus on uh, relationships and, and how many conversations you're having on a daily basis, you're going to be successful in just about everything you do. Because whether you're B2B, B2C, you're always human to human, right? That's uh, that's the truth of it. And, you know, relationships go go the long way. So uh, a lot of lessons, man. Um, lessons in patience, uh, the ups and downs that, you know, growth of business is rarely linear. Uh, it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And hopefully if you look at the long-term trajectory, it's going up. And that's the big thing is, you know, people are really concerned with, what are my monthly numbers? And I get it. You got to put food on the table, right? When you're starting out, but you always want to be paying attention to the trajectory. And, uh, you know, over years of, of knowing, of noticing my trends, a lot of data analysis on my own businesses, uh, I knew trends really well and I could pinpoint them, uh, 
pretty clearly when I when I started to see things go the wrong way, and then I would have enough data to understand why it's happening. So I think that's another thing is always know your numbers. Uh, when I work with gym owners um, or anybody who's owning a business, if you don't have KPIs, if you don't have key performance indicators um, of of what's going on in your business, if you can't be objective when you look at it, uh, then you're going to run into some problems. Uh, I guarantee it. So uh, yeah, I think the big lessons are, you know, get out, meet people become a brand, right? And the only way you can do that is just by being out, being seen. Um, and a lot of people will think, well, hey, if I'm a great coach and I give people great results, that's all the marketing I need. I'm going to disagree with that. I think you need both, right? And you need to be a great coach. You need to be a great trainer. Uh, you need to give people results. Uh, but eventually, after you're in business long enough, people's referrals networks kind of dry up. Um, you're going to have to go out and make new, uh, you know, there's going to be now, there's just going to be unavoidable, um, churn, right? It's just going to happen. So you're going to have to have marketing. You're going to have to get good at that. And you're going to have to understand sales. And luckily I came from that background, uh, of sales and marketing. So it, it was rather, um, it wasn't new to me and I was able to sell a lot of memberships, uh, through my gym. I was able to train my staff to sell a lot of memberships at my gym and personal training and specialty groups and workshops and all of that. So, uh, yeah, be prepared to sell. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, um, it's an easy thing to, to overlook in the fitness industry. Uh, the, the same topic, the same thing keeps coming up all the time in this podcast about making yourself visible, building relationships and marketing, which is obviously key to, to any business. And if you get that marketing piece right, Eric, then like you're not going to have any worries. If you know how to market and draw people into the business, mm -hmm. then it fixes a lot of problems, right? It does. And I think we need to define in this conversation what marketing is um, because it, it's not, it's different than sales. You know, marketing is different than sales. You know, lead generation is very different than sales. I was on an hour and a half call this morning with a huge, um, mark, uh, digital marketing agency for gyms out of Europe. And, uh, you know, we talked about what the struggles are of their clients and it always comes down to sales. You can go hire someone right now and get leads coming to your door, right. Or to your inbox. Um, it's not hard to generate leads anymore. What's the challenge for most people is how do you convert them? You know, what are you doing? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who probably maybe pay for lead generation or they know how to generate leads, but if the person doesn't buy right away, right? If you don't catch them at the exactly right time when, you know, the iron's hot and they buy today, what, what do you do with those leads? Most people do, sadly enough, Alex, most people do nothing. So if you don't have any kind of follow-up to these leads, any kind of nurturing systems, uh, whatever you want to do, there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, then you need to put that in place. And it, it's just critically important because you're actually just throwing money away if you're not doing that. And the other thing is if you're not retaining your clients, right? If you're not actually retaining your clients, if there's holes in your bucket, then you're going to have problems as well. You're just going to keep putting water in a bucket that's leaking out the other side. So, uh, retention, I am really excited with how, uh, retention is finally getting the attention it deserves. I know I realize that's a rhyme, uh, 
but that's that's really exciting to me because I think that's a big thing. It's it's hard at times to get new clients, you know, high good quality clients, clients that you actually like to work with. Um, it's hard getting them. So understanding the sales process and how you identify those people, how you um, warm them up, how you do your needs analysis, uh, how you address the needs, make it relatable, and how you close, right, is really important. So that that's a skill that I think most people need to learn within the fitness industry because it's not it's not natural for most. You, you have to work at it, and uh, no one there's not enough people training you how to do it. Yeah, I'm really glad you um, broke it down in that way, Eric. Where you talk about generating leads, but generating leads alone is is not the the actual fix. That's just one piece of the puzzle. Then you have the conversion process, the the sales framework in the middle, but also the retention on the back ends that a lot of people overlook. And I'm big on this. Those are the kind of like the three areas that I really try and drive home that you need to have those three things aligned in order to run a successful business of the marketing, the sales, but also the payment model and retention on the back end. So I'd love to unpack a couple of those things with you. We cover a lot of lead gen on on the podcast um, and we talk about sales, but we don't talk enough about the back end, the payment model or the retention. And I'd love to try and get um, get some value here for the coaches or personal trainers listening to this, if you can comment on that, um, about maybe a good way or principles to think about when trying to build a good back end or good payment model to keep people built into the business and uh, keep them coming back for more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I can, um, I think we take a big step back and, and talk about what it's, what all this really is about. Right. And can you help them? And when we talk like, uh, you know, some of the sales systems that my business partner and I can, uh, and I put into place, you know, we always start people off. We, we don't do, we don't recommend low barrier offers. We don't recommend free trials. We just don't. Um, I don't like it. Um, I think it's avoiding, um, the quality work that should be done up front. And what I mean by that is, you know, we'll start everybody off. We recommend that gyms and trainers start everybody off what's called a no sweat intro. And it's very simple. You want to reduce the friction. I think when most fitness professionals don't acknowledge and or respect how challenging it is for most people to step foot in a gym, right? Uh, Alex, you're a fit guy. I've been doing athletics my whole life. Walking into a gym, no big deal. It's like any other day. Uh, I quite enjoy it. It's like my my happy place, right? Easy. Mm, for yeah. a large majority of people, it's very, very challenging. It's scary, right? It's uh, it's taking a huge leap forward. And you know, so the reason we do something like a no sweat intro, it's it's short, 15, 30 minutes. They don't have to work out. Um, they just have to come in and they have to talk. And the script that, you know, that we put together is very simple. You know, it's, it's, it's a needs analysis, right? You sit down, you ask that person, Hey, you know, what, what brought you in today? And that that's really important. It's like, what, what was it today? What was the impetus? What was the thing that made you come in today? What made you respond to my ad and do this? And you start to get some insights as to what's going on in this person's life. Um, and then you go into their goals, you know, what, what are their goals, Right. What, uh, what do they actually want? And you know, what's the most common answer you're going to get here? Well, I, I want to lose 20, 30 pounds. Okay. Awesome. Well, you, you definitely came to the right place. Why is that important to you? And then you start to get into it, right? Uh, I'll give you, uh, some insight. If someone cries, 
in front of you during a no sweat intro, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> not because not if you're being mean and berating them, right? But if if they if you touch an emotional trigger, there's a good chance you're going to have a client for life. And you want to get that deep and you ask someone, well, why uh why do you want to lose 30 pounds? Well, you know, I don't know, my my pants don't fit so well anymore. Oh, okay. Well, why is that important to you? Um I don't know. I just I guess I just don't feel good in my clothes and I don't want that to happen anymore. Oh, okay. Well, that's understandable. Why is that important to you? Well, to be quite honest, like my wife doesn't look at me any the same way anymore. You're like, whoa, there it is, right? That's the moment. Now you have what's truly important to them and you can dig on that and understand that, um, you know, from an empathetic point of view, what's going on in their life. And then you can start to lay it out. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm glad you came here. Now maybe you have the opportunity to make it relatable, right? Well, you know, Rob, I also work with this guy, Bobby, right? <laughs> Rob and Bobby. Uh, he came here about a year and a half ago, uh, very similar circumstance. And, uh, you know, this type of protocol and this working out and, you know, uh, paying attention to the general lifestyle guidelines of sleep and nutrition and water and stress. Uh, we dropped those 30 pounds and look at him, you know, look at it, look at him now, right? And he's doing great. And then you go into the plan. You're like, okay, in order for this goal to happen, Rob, you know, what, what needs to take place? Well, let's see, you need to come see me, you know, three days a week, right? Uh, we need to dial in your nutrition. We need to understand, you know, what your lifestyle is, you know, as far as are you stressed out? Are you sleeping enough? Right. What's your work environment? Um, and all of these will lead towards it. And the goal here is to produce long-term habits. They're going to not only get to your goal, but going to keep you there. And so you lay that out. And then from there you say, okay, well, here's what I'd like to do. You know, I'd like to start with you three times a week. I'm going to start with a nutrition consultation. Um, you know, every month, uh, that's a separate, and this is what the package looks like. I can start, uh, we can start tomorrow or we can start on Tuesday. You know, which one do you prefer? And then you shut up, right? And if you have done your job and you truly uncovered what the pain is for this person and you believe, and you honestly know that you can help them, then price isn't that big of a deal, right? We get stuck on price. If, if you are solving expensive problems, then you can charge a high price point, but you don't know what those problems are until you find out by asking the right questions. So when we talk about what payment structures, what else, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, I started out my gym, everybody had to start off with a private on-ramping, um, or personal training, uh, before they could ever get into classes. And my goal during the introduction session was to find out how I can best help this person. And then I would even say something to the lines of like, listen, if you're a family member and price wasn't an, an issue, this is the ideal situation for you. Now I do have a price and this is what it is. And this is what I think is going to get you to your goal and keep you there. And people will pay it, right? If the problem is big enough, it's expensive enough, they'll, they'll pay it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Makes complete sense. Um, and it's all about just going into the root cause of the problem, like you said, yeah. and doing the correct yeah. diagnosis, just like a doctor would. Um, where you're basically uncovering the the root cause of the problem. And then from there, you're yeah. prescribing the solution. And if it's perfect fit, then there shouldn't be really any resistance. And like you said, the price point shouldn't really be um, an area of concern if, if you've nailed it, if you've gone to that 
depth with the with the prospect right um i want to shift gears a little bit i'm conscious of time and we've got loads of topics that we could cover here but before we jumped Mm -hmm. on we were talking about um technology and i think this is really a hot topic um a couple of people that have been on the podcast recently brought this up about the technology and how it's really kind of changing the industry and maybe there's some threats out there to personal trainers from technology or there's some opportunities i don't know you tell us like what are you seeing with technology right now that is either a positive or a negative for trainers and coaches or the fitness industry uh, and where do you see things heading over the next couple of years yeah Whew. i love this question so um in my uh, the future of fitness podcast uh, that i host uh, i get you know um a decent amount of people in the tech world to come on because i love asking questions about this and i just had a conversation with uh, Mike Dawson from um, Push out of Toronto. And, you know, wh- where is the technology going? I'm an optimist, right? There, there's people who will, you know, lean between the future is going to be Utopia or it's going to be Terminator, right? Skynet. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm an optimist. I think that we have a huge opportunity within the fitness industry um, to harness the technology that's coming out and, uh, and really making an impact because, you know, I look at it this way in North America, right? Uh, last time I checked in a rough estimate and the, the numbers change all the time, but let's just say 20% of the population has a gym membership or personal trainer, right? That's 80% of North America that is not being touched. Um, if you look at it from a global scale, that number is actually 99%, right? And what we have with technology um, is a couple things. A, the ability to collect a massive amount of data, right? And well, I can expand on that in a second. The other thing is we have the ability to reach people where they're at that we would have we would not typically have access to in the past. So between apps and wearables and you know anything, right, that that gets to people in their devices um, or in their homes is an opportunity for us. So we, we need to look at that from that way and, and how do we get access to that other 80% or 99% globally and data. So we're, we're starting to see now, um, you know, all these companies, especially the wearables, right? The, uh, the Fitbits and, um, you know, I don't know any, anything that tracks data, right. Uh, and biometrics, um, even genetic profiling. Now we, we, these companies have been collecting so much data so quickly that they're finally like, whoa, putting the brakes, pulling back a little bit and be like, well, what are we going to do? Now you're starting to see an influx of data scientists into these companies, um, people who really know how to massage it and, and find out you know, where it's coming from. And data may not be the sexiest thing to, to most people, including myself, but wow, man. I mean, that's, that's the biggest uh, advantage of all the tech uh, in our lives right now is people, we know so much about behavior and what we can do with it. And now you're starting to see things like, um, you know, at the pro level of sports, you're starting to see uh, athlete management systems, right? Who pull in all of the data and, uh, you know, from how you sleep, um, you know, what your uh, HRV is at, your heart rate, um, all of these factors, right? Any kind of biometric that they can, they can obtain and then putting it into one system that kind of rules it all. And showing people, hey, you know, this is um, this is where you're at today, 
this is how you should train. This is how you should pull back maybe on your stress. Uh, this is an, op- you know, you're, you're on the verge of injury, right? So now it's the interpretation of the data and what do we do with it into these management systems, which is scary cool. And uh, I get really excited about it. And, you know, you're going to start seeing that, you know, anything like technology starts in the military, right? And it gets down to most people, at least here in the United States. And then it filters down to the general population in, in, fitness, it starts at the pro level with athletes and then it filters down uh, to everybody else. And if you kind of follow that trend, you'll start to see that um, that's that's where things are going. And I had a great example. I interviewed the uh, founder of, of Tonal, T-O-N-A-L. He's, uh, he's out of San Francisco. So they have a, um, you know, think about Peloton for resistance training. If you're not familiar with it, it's, it's all electromagnetic based uh, resistance training that you can have in the home. And the device, you know, mounts on the wall and, you know, he was talking, I think we talked about it off air of like, Hey, where's all this going? Right. And, and he imagined a world where, um, something like that is the central hub of your fitness and health. It's got an AI component. It's connected to the internet of things, right? So it's connected to your fridge. It's connected to, uh, your Fitbit or whatever wearable you're wearing. Uh, maybe, you know, it's also pulling in health records because that's going to be huge as soon as we can figure out ways to, um, you know, unite health records through some kind of API. And it has all this data on you and, and it wakes up and you wake up in the morning and it says, hey, Alex, um, you know, it looks like you didn't sleep so good, right? It looks like you uh, maybe had a few too many beers last night and uh, your nutrition's a little off. So we're going to order some vegetables for you, right? And uh, maybe get you a juice going, but we're going to take a little lighter on your workout today. So, you know, why don't you get warmed up and we'll start in five. Imagine that, like that, that can happen like sooner than we think. Um, Maybe not two years, maybe not three years, maybe not four years, but something like that is going to happen. And uh, it's really cool. So what do we do, right? What do we do? Is this a threat to the fitness profession? I don't think so. You know why? Because you're still, there's always going to be a market for the experience, right? For that human experience, um, the empathy. Well, no matter, I, I don't think we're ever going to see in our lifetime, you know, bots, robots that have empathy that humans do. I think it's scientifically impossible, but we have that. So moving forward, I think there's, there's things to look at is be aware of the tech, right? Play with it. Uh, understand it, see, um, get familiar with it, see where the advantages are that maybe you can use with your clientele. You know, if you're not using some kind of tracker with them, um, maybe you should, you know, if it's valuable to what you're doing with the client and their goals. So that's one thing is, is get used to it, be familiar with it. Don't be scared of it, adapt with it and you'll be fine. The other thing is always look at the client experience, right? How are you differentiating yourself through that experience? Do you have a niche? right? Are you niching down? Are you working with a special population? And because that makes it a lot easier to, to create a, a great client experience. Client experience for a 22-year-old, you know, semi-pro athlete is going to be very different than a 60-year-old, right? Coming in who just wants better mobility and wants to be able to, you know, chase their grandkids around. Two completely different client experiences, right? And it should be. But you need to map that out. And how, is you, how do you differentiate yourself there? And uh, how do you make yourself a really valuable service? And like I said earlier, you know, how are you solving expensive problems? And uh, that, that's a big part of it. So, whew, man, there's a lot to talk about there, but uh, I could go off for days. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, it's super interesting. And um, 
it sounds like an incredible world where things like that are happening, where there's so much kind of feedback from the technology on how to make adjustments to your lifestyle and your training and all that stuff, which yeah. is which is great, right? And um, like you said, it's not necessarily a threat if people appreciate that the human touch is super valuable and it always will be. And you can't yeah. really replace that. Um, you can't replace that element ever, the human touch, right? Oh, I totally agree, man. And that's, that's a big thing. I mean, people are always going to go into gyms, you know, uh, the reason why the group class model has blown up, you know, kind of, it, it's been around for quite some time, but let's be honest, like CrossFit made it, make it big. And then you get these huge, uh, franchises, the F45s, the orange series, the Barry's boot camps, fit body, all of those. The group model is popular because people, they, they want that community. And my, my theory is that as connected as we are, right, through social media, um, our devices, computers, internet, all of that, we're incredibly connected. We're kind of lonely in a, in a weird way. And I think, you know, you're starting to see in a lot of areas, um, you know, the normal social structures kind of breaking down, you know, like I, I just don't know as many people who go to Sunday mass as they, as people used to go to, right. I don't, uh, I was, born, I was raised that way, but I don't go. And, you know, so where are these social structures going? People need this community. They need that feeling of, of being part of a family or being part of something bigger than themselves. And that's where, you know, I think as fitness professionals, if we can build tribe, if we can build community, um, it's, that's real. Like you can actually touch someone, right. You can be in a room, you can, you know, uh, sweat with them. Uh, you can have that deeply human experience in that same area, then you're going to be, uh, you're going to be pretty sheltered from the changes of technology because that's real and people always want real. Mm. I want to kind of touch on, um, a hot topic at the moment, which is, uh, which is online training from someone that's been in the industry for, mm. for a long time. You've probably seen the trend on an upward curve right now over the last couple of years, what are you seeing? Um, what developments are you seeing in the kind of the online trainer space? Uh, what are the kind of the big trends towards that at the moment? Yeah, Whew, man, great question. I um, I recently I I did a uh, I have a, a Slack community. If anybody wants to join, it's it's elitegyminsiders.com. So it's for gym owners, but it's also for personal trainers, and it's a free Slack community. And we just uh, I had a conversation yesterday um, that was live with the CEO of OPEX, who um, OPEX and OPT, big in my world from CrossFit, but a lot of people probably haven't heard of them, but they're one of the, the early adopters of remote coaching. So we talk specifically about this, you know, uh, online coaching, where it's going. And here's a, here's a couple key factors, right? Is that the barrier to entry for online coaching is about as low as it can get, right? If you have an app like a true coach or I don't know, exercise.com or whatever people use, I'm a true coach guy. Uh, it's a great platform, works really well. Uh, and you have a billing software, which people like true coach will have soon. That's all you need, right? And getting to your first 10 clients is not diff terribly difficult. Uh, you probably have a network um, around you uh, that you can probably go get your first 10 very quickly. Now, the amount of online coaching, online coaches, is growing so incredibly fast due to that factor that you really have to find a way to differentiate yourself on the market. And, uh, you know, like we talked about 
you know, I think in any businesses, you got to find a way to differentiate yourself in the market. So you got to keep in mind now everyone gets into online coaching because, Hey, you can make a lot of money, right? You can live a very free lifestyle. That's all very possible, right? And it happens. You have to understand it's not going to be quite as easy as you probably think it will, unless you have, you know, I don't know, unless you're an influencer, something like that, um, where maybe you have access to, you know, a large following already. But even then, you you still have to be a great coach because if you want to retain online clients, it's challenging. It's not like you see them every day to day. So you have to have um, great systems in place, right? You have to know, uh, you know, when you're going to have quote unquote touches with your clients, when you're going to do video conferencing with them, um, when you're going to check their videos, uh, when you're going to give them feedback, when their programming goes out, you know, how often does it go out? Does it go out every week? Does it go out every two weeks, every month? Um, are you laying out the expectations up front for them of what the training is going to be like, what the experience is going to be like? Um, all of these things, it takes a lot and you, it's an art to do online training. You can't just be sending out programming you know, and kind of waiting for feedback. Uh, you'll just won't retain people that way. I don't care how good your programming is because it's hard to get people to do these things if you're not understanding why they're doing them. So there's a lot to unpack here, but I think a couple of things, if you're an online coach, find a niche. I'm a huge fan of that, right? Really, and it niche doesn't have to be anything. It can, It's probably very obvious. It's probably something from your background. Like, what do you have in your, in your tool belt that you don't, that most people don't have me. I, I like, uh, I came from a water polo background, not too many water polo players out there who coach, right. I could probably go significantly after water polo swimming, or I could go after like busy 40 something entrepreneurs, right. Cause that's the world I live in. I know that I can relate with them. I have something special to offer to those people. So know a niche, um, and then really focus on the communication because that's, that's paramount, you know, the consultation should happen at least every month, uh, in my opinion, where you get on a call, you see their face, you talk to them about all the things that are going on in their life. Uh, very little bit is about programming and you set the expectations, right? Okay. You know, uh, Hey Alex, I noticed in your programming, you know, you maybe didn't hit all the workouts, you know, what's going on there. Um, oh, well, you know, it's just been busy and stress and all that. Okay. Well, we're going to lay out a very simple plan for the next four weeks. And if we hit all these targets, then we'll go to a more, you know, we'll go to the next level, but here's our goals for the next month. You know, how does that sound? Do you think you can do it? What obstacles do you see in your way? Um, all of that, right? So you get really good at the consultation, uh, and then be patient, you know, getting to 10, like I said, is not going to be a huge challenge, but creating something that can scale, right? If you really want to scale, then you're going to have to have some pretty amazing systems. So, um, niche down, um, understand client communications and have great systems. And I think if you can focus on those three things, you'll be off to a really good start. I really like that. Um, Eric explained really well. And I saw a common theme there in what you said in terms of, uh, technology when you mentioned it before is that the human touch and making sure those yeah. touch points are there. Cause it's not just about programming and sending people workouts. It's about that human touch checking in, listening to the problems, the obstacles, um, and getting in that face time as well. Um, would you say that's one of the most important things to, to running a high retention and successful online business then? Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's relationships. You know, everything in our industry is about relationships and, uh, you could have the best programs. You could, you know, be the smartest guy or woman, you know, whatever it is. But if you don't know how to work with people, you're going to have, you're, you're going to have issues. So yeah, it's all about relationships, man. It's everything. Awesome. Hey man, like we, we jammed through this pretty quickly, huh? And we jumped from yeah. a lot of different, um, a, a lot of different topics there, which was, was interesting, right? I really want to direct people over to your podcast um, because I think podcasts are a great place for learning, right? Uh, we obviously believe that because we do podcasts ourselves and I'm sure you listen to a ton and I do too. Um, and yours is specific to this audience in this market. So I'd love to get people coming over to your podcast. You've got two, right? So which one's going to be most relevant for the personal trainers and coaches listening? And then how about the other one? Um, let's just direct people to the right place. Yeah. Uh, I, I direct everything to the future of fitness podcast now. Um, you know, I've done, um, I'm about 140, 150 episodes in on that, on the fitness blitz, um, radio, I did about 350, but just due to time and projects that I'm working on now, um, my plate is full. So I kind of had to pick one and I picked the future of fitness to run with. So go check that out. I mean, there's, there's a ton of episodes. If you want to check out fitness blitz radio, it's all short form interviews from people from all over the industry. Uh, the future of fitness is based on kind of three major categories of business thought and tech leaders within the, uh, the fitness industry. And it's, it's great. It's long form. It's a little bit longer form, about as long as yours, 45 to 60 minutes and uh very free flow like we did today and it's just really good people and uh yeah i hope you know my goal just like you is to give people a lot of value and actionable items that they can actually take away not just for the fitness industry but for life and uh yeah hope you dial in i get quite a lot of messages from pts who are like shall i set up a podcast what mm -hmm. should i talk about is it worth it um what would your response be to that question and what would your three top tips be to someone who wanted to start a podcast? Maybe they're a personal trainer, maybe they're a coach. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your view on that? Uh, I would say, first of all, can you commit to hundred episodes without worrying about your metrics? Right. Cause that would tell me, are you doing it because you want to make money off of it? Which is rare. Right. Um, it'll tell me that you're committed and that you like it. And if you like it, you'll do it. Uh, and I would also say if you are thinking about doing it, um, and that you can answer that question, like, Hey, I can commit to hundred episodes without worrying about my downloads or my metrics or anything like that. I can just commit to the art of doing the podcast. Um, then just start, like just start. My first podcast was absolute, you know, Shia Sherman. I think he was my number one, but I wasn't good. I was <laughs> I wasn't a good interviewer. Uh, I did everything with my, you know, eight-year-old MacBook and a pair of, uh, you know, iPhone um, headphones, right? That was it. I had no equipment. I don't, I didn't have a fancy microphone like I have now, but I started and that's all that matters, right? Because one led to two, led to three, led to four, led to 500, right? And now I have, you know, a following, um, you know, I indirectly monetize it by, you know, uh, attracting new clients. I don't sell anything. I don't sell advertising, anything like that. Um, but I do get people coming in and it's a, it can be a differentiator. And I think you got to figure out if you are going to do a podcast, why are you doing it? Uh, who are you doing it for? And what value are you going to produce for them? And, uh, and then go for it. You know, uh, it's, there's no guarantees in podcasting that, you know, it's going to be hits, no guarantees that you're really going to like it. So, uh, you know, just start. I mean, that's kind of like everything, but you got, you got to understand your why, why are you doing it?
And that's, that's really important for me. I do podcasting because I love the relationships. I love being able to sit and talk to an expert, um, you know, on some, something in a particular topic and ask questions as if, as if I'm six years old, just curiously asking questions. And I learned so much and it's helped me really sharpen, uh, you know, my, my sword when it comes to consulting or just mentoring or, you know, being a business person. So, uh, that's why I do it. I do it because I want to know things. And, you know, my audience is secondary. I love them. Uh, I love everybody who's given me a review. Thank you. Um, but that's why I do it. And that's much more powerful, right? So that would be my suggestion. Mm, really good advice. I was listening to that myself and thinking of myself in that process. I'm about halfway to 100 now with this one. Um, but much like you, I didn't really set it up for the for the metrics. I didn't set it up to hit a thousand downloads per episode. The reason I set up was much like you in the sense I wanted to learn and I wanted to network and build relationships and hear different stories and get different perspectives because it's such a very kind of like relaxed environment where mm. you're basically just sat chatting and people reveal a lot of really good things on podcasts. So it's just a great place to learn. So it can also be like a selfish thing as well if you just want to actually learn. Totally. And um, along the way, you build relationships. And who knows if you create good content and good quality, then it generates leads as well and, and gives you some authority as well, which is great. Yeah. Like you said, another string to your bow, another differentiator. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I absolutely love podcasting and uh, it's been really beneficial for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like, I'll always take your call now, right? That's it. It's a relationship. We just formed a friendship over a podcast and we had the opportunity to talk without um, disruption, right? No one was checking their phone. At least I wasn't. <laughs> um, I wasn't checking my email. I wasn't doing anything. It was without distraction. We got to have a really good conversation, which also I find is rare nowadays. Like how often do you just sit down and have a 49 minute conversation um, without disruption about any given topic? It's amazing. So yeah, I think if you do it for the right reasons, you'll you'll love it. Awesome. Uh, we'll chuck everything in the show notes so everyone can find those links. Again, thank you so much for coming on and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a short review on one of the platforms. And if you're a personal trainer in a commercial gym with 500 plus members and you want to fast track your income growth and learn how to sign multiple new clients a week, reach out to me personally through Facebook or Instagram and just drop me a private message so we can get the conversation started and see if you could be a good fit for one of our programs. All the links to my social can be found in the show notes so we can connect there. See you next week.